Good evening. Today is Tuesday, January 23rd, 2024, and we are studying the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. This week is um, step eight, and our speaker is Bridget. Um, thank you, Bridget. Okay. Well, hello, everybody. My name is Bridget C. I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm grateful for the opportunity to do service and to, to be here at this warm and welcoming uh, meeting. Um, I was asked to share primarily on step eight, but I can't share about step eight until I share about what happened and how I got here and um, about the steps that I did before step eight, because I believe the steps are meant to be worked in order. Um, I will, by way of qualification, share that I was um, once 100 pounds overweight. I've gained and lost the same 100 pounds many times. Um, my abstinence date is September 27th, 2020. That was the date of my first OA meeting. I was 55 years old. I have had continuous miraculous abstinence since then and I'm maintaining a healthy body weight and have been for a couple of years now. Um, I will share some pictures just because, you know, it helped me when I went to meetings, uh, still does when I see the physical transformation because um, I know weight loss is not recovery, but that's what brought me in the rooms you know, is that I needed to lose weight. I had a doctor tell me I needed to lose weight. I don't know if that's even at my heaviest weight um, because I got to the point that I didn't want to be photographed. Um, but that's that's me, the disease at my heaviest. I'll also share a, just a more recent photo just to show like a full length, like what I look like now, you know, just more, you know, just normal, um, whatever that is. Okay. So, um, why did I become a compulsive eater? I don't know. Um, I, I had a wonderful childhood. Um, I, I think I became a compulsive overeater because I liked the effect produced by food. I liked especially rich food and a lot of food. And I really liked um, eating food in secret and stealing food. And that started, you know, as, as far as my earliest memories um, are of overeating. Um, and consequently, I was a chubby kid. And I got teased a lot um, and bullied uh, about my weight. And, um, you know, when I would lament to my mom, um, and she was a very successful attorney and she was overweight. And she probably was a compulsive overeater. She's passed away in 2016. Um, and she just kind of said, well, that's the way the women in our family are. And, you know, don't worry about it. Just, just get good grades um, and, you know, do well in school. And, you know, so that set up this, this notion that I had to be perfect at everything um, to compensate for, for my weight. And, um, you know, that, that has only been dispelled through working, working this program. Um, and a lot of in high school and college, like a lot of my friends were experimenting with drugs and alcohol. And I did, I tried a little bit of that, but it didn't do for me what food did. It didn't provide the comfort, you know, the sense of ease and comfort that I had um, from a binge. Um, after college, I got pregnant. It was unplanned. And I was I was very ashamed because uh, I was not married. And I don't know. I don't even know where the, the baby's father is. The upside is I had a beautiful daughter and she's uh, she's gonna be 37 this weekend. And um, I married the first man who showed any interest in me because I was just this very overweight, unhappy single mom. Um, and it was an abusive marriage, both emotionally and physically. And so, you know, my eating really took on, you know, new proportions. Um, that was my way of dealing with any difficulties, you know, any, whatever the problem was in life, food was the answer. 
Um, my son was born in 1989. And um, so that was another good plus of that experience, um, even though it was an abusive situation. Um, my husband was very obsessed with my weight. He would send me to commercial weight loss programs and I would, you know, sneak around and eat fast food and then lie and say, I didn't understand why the, why the problem wasn't working, why the program wasn't working. Um, I became a nurse in 1991. I'm still a nurse, um, work full time, love it. Um, but when I first started in nursing, it was definitely an opportunity for me to, to eat, to eat on the way to work, eat at work without um, my, my husband giving me any flack about it. So by 1994, I was 100 pounds overweight. I'm 29 years old, um, and I qualified for gastric bypass surgery. And um, so I had the surgery. And I want to give a disclaimer: I'm not anti-bariatric surgery. It may be the solution for some people, but you know, it didn't do anything to arrest the illness. And I did lose weight with the bypass, but I gained it back. Like I lost 100 pounds and gained it back, like in, in a year and a half time. And my husband was very, you know, disgusted with me. And he was the first one who ever mentioned the existence of Overeaters Anonymous to me. He said, five minutes. thank you. He said, oh my God, you know, you need to go to Overeaters Anonymous. And I, I thought he was being a smart ass. And he, you know, I said, is that even a thing? And he said, yeah, you know, it's a thing. So I went and checked it out, but, um, <clears throat> excuse me. So I, I never went back. And I think it was because I convinced myself I didn't belong there, mainly because it was his idea. You know, it wasn't that I wanted to go. Um, I divorced him in 1998 and you would have thought, cause I blamed him a lot for, for my weight, you know, really taking off. Um, but I still overate and I still, you know, still had this problem that I had had all my life. Um, and tried to fix the problem myself in 2008. Um, I started having, um, medical problems with my left knee and I had a uh, lap band, uh, surgery because the doctor said, you know, if you, if you don't do something. We're, we're going to end up having to do a total knee replacement and you're not even 50 yet, you know, and it's all this weight you're carrying on your body. And I explained, you know, well, I had a gastric bypass and, and, you know, but somehow still I'm hundred pounds overweight. And he said, well, we're going to do this gastric band and that'll, that'll fix it. You know, and I thought that was going to be the ma magic bullet. I paid $16,000 to have it done. It was not covered by insurance. That's, you know, talk about going to any lengths and, um, <clears throat> they checked to, to find out before they did the band, you know, what happened with this bypass that I had in 94. And somehow I had just overeaten so much that I stretched my stomach back out. Um, I lost weight with the lap band, but I couldn't keep it off. Um, I ended up going to the same bariatric surgeon for diet pills. Um, by 2019, I ended up having my left uh, knee replaced anyway. That was a very brutal, brutal surgery. Um, by 2020, things got worse. You know, as I mentioned, I'm a nurse, I work in healthcare, so things got worse for everybody, but especially for people working uh, in healthcare settings. And in May of 2020, uh, in the middle of all this crazy COVID stuff, um, I developed complications with my, with my lap band, and I had to have it surgically removed. Incidentally, it cost $5,000. And, you know, it was just like cutting the brake lines off because I had no restriction anymore. I could just all of a sudden eat huge quantities of food. Um, and my weight just soared. In September of 2020, I went to an orthopedic surgeon because I started having problems with my right knee as I gained weight. Um, incidentally, I don't have a lot of problems with my knees anymore. Um, but he gave me a cortisone shot. 
And he said, you know, you really need to lose some weight. And that was when I hit my bottom. That was the bottom for me. Um, you would have thought, you know, maybe the first bariatric surgery, but no, um, I was just really desperate. And I, I, um, I call my higher power God and I was talking to my higher power and I said, what, what should I do? You know, what should I do about, I'll do anything. And I was, I was laying on the floor of this office, the same office where I'm talking to you all now and just crying. Like I've got to lose weight and I can't stop eating. I'll do anything. And my higher power spoke to me and said, you should go to Overeaters Anonymous, except my higher power spoke, you know, with a voice of kindness, not the way my, you know, my ex-husband had, had said it. Um, and God, you know, made me abstinent. I got struck abstinent that day and continues to keep me abstinent. I have to continue to surrender. Um, I got a food plan that day. I, I found a plan of the dignity of choice. Um, first, I wasn't going to get a sponsor because I thought maybe I would do like this self-study program, but people told me, no, and, you know, that's not the way to do it. And for once in my life, I just, I was just so desperate. I decided to follow directions. I, I would have, if they told me I had to go skydiving, I, I would have done it, whatever they said to do. So I got a sponsor. Um, I thought the first 30 days of abstinence were particularly brutal. Um, I was a lot of withdrawal. And I felt like I was having a tooth pulled without Novocaine because, you know, life was happening and stuff was happening, but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't use the food. Um, but I found it got easier to stay abstinent um, after I worked through the steps, which I did with some urgency because I wanted, I was afraid of losing my abstinence. Um, I took step one on September 27th, 2020, when I laid on the floor in this office and said, God, I can't stop eating. I need to lose weight and I can't stop eating. Um, and part of the way that I practice step one daily is uh, for me, I send my food to my sponsor every day. I text her if there's any changes. Um, I weigh and measure my food. I need really tight boundaries around food because I'm still powerless uh, over food. Um, for step two, I, I've always believed in a higher power that I called God, but I had never That's believed. That's 10 minutes. Okay, thank you so much. But I had never believed that he could take away my obsession with food uh, before. And I used to pray, my prayer used to be that I wanted to be thin, but I still wanted to be able to overeat as much as I want and be thin. Uh, step three, I, I practice step three daily. I turn my will over in an intentional way. Um, I say the third step prayer out loud and mean it. I use it at the third step prayer as it's written in the big book, uh, no matter what. And I'm not just turning over my food, but I'm turning over my thinking and, and everything I do. Um, I found the steps four and five doing the inventory to be very powerful experience. And I really developed food neutrality after, um, after I did those steps. Um, step six and seven, I... Um, I'm just grateful that I don't have to remove my shortcomings. And I also want to point out step doesn't say that God removes our shortcomings. It just says we ask God to remove our shortcomings and then it's up to God um, to figure out how that will happen. But I know that God is changing me because my kids have shared like, uh, mom, you're so chill now and, and you weren't. Uh, so which brings me to step eight, <laughs> the, 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 uh, the big focus of the day. So step eight made a list of all the persons we harmed and, and became willing, had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Um, and the big book says that we already have this list of persons um, that we harmed because we made it when we took our inventory. So I was able to easily make that list. 
Um, it also said if we didn't have the will to make amends, we weren't willing to make amends, we should ask until it came. Um, and who are we supposed to ask? You know, your higher power, whatever your conception of a higher power is. Um, the book says that if we're struggling with willingness, we should remind ourselves that we would go uh, to any lengths for victory over alcohol. And it also says that we're doing steps eight and nine to put our lives in order and to fix fit ourselves to be of maximum service to God and to the people about us. And we're supposed to ask for the strength and direction to do the right thing in this step, no matter what. And it said we might lose our position or we might face jail. And I was fortunate that I had never done anything in the practice of my compulsive eating, um, that it was illegal, that would land me in jail. But then I, after I thought about it more, like actually I did litter a lot. Um, I would I'd eat at fast food re rest restaurants and I would throw the wrappers out when I was driving. Um, so part of my amends for that is I, I was involved with like, like picking up trash in my community. You know, I did some community service uh, for that. Um, it also says that the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. That's on page 83. So um, this is a definitely an action step. You, know, you have to actually do it, make the list. Um, and it says in this into action chapter that there might be some wrongs that we can never fully write. And we don't have to worry about them if we can honestly say to ourselves that we would write them if we could. And um, I had, a, I had, I have <laughs> a wrong that I feel like will never be made right. Um, that I, um, I was unfaithful to my second husband and we're, we're divorced and I'm, you know, I'm remarried, but uh, definitely, you know, I don't know that I could ever make that totally right. How do we know if we've harmed someone? Um, my sponsor told me the test I should use was if somebody, I should imagine how I would feel if someone treated me the same way. And I thought that was a good test. So um, I'm not going to tell you everybody that's on my list because this is a 20 minute share, um, but I'm going to tell you some of the main ones. So the top of my list was my first husband, um, the one who was abusive to me. I didn't, hadn't really harmed him, um, but I knew that I had to forgive him. Um, and I had to let that go. And, and I did, you know, as a result of working these steps. Um, my second husband, I, I, like I said, I harmed him by cheating on him. And this occurred back in 2011, um, but I was still carried a lot of guilt and shame uh, about it. It's hard to even say. <laughs> it's easier to say I'm a compulsive overeater and I littered, you know, fast food wrappers than to say that I cheated on someone. Um, I did apologize and made serious attempts to make amends to him back in 2012. Um, and that was before I even came into program and, and he, you know, he did not receive, not receive it. Um, and he's doing well, he's remarried and he moved to another state, but there's this uh, student loan that's in his name that is part of the divorce agreement that I, I have to repay it. My sponsor agreed that it would not be a good idea for me to contact him again and try to dredge all this up. Um, that's 15. Thank you so much. Um, she thought his wife would not appreciate it. Um, and, but the, the key thing was I was willing to do it. If, if it had, if she had told me you need to call up your ex-husband again, I, I would have done it. Um, what we agreed on instead was to do more of a living amends to him. Um, I pay that bill, that student loan every month. I pay it early. Um, I even tried to get it switched to my name, but because it's the department of education, they wouldn't do it. Um, I made amends to my adult children. Um, and 
made direct amends to them and for not being present with them for when their, their dad, you know, and all that was going on. I was married to him for 12 years. Um, I, I was just, just focused on my own pain and not on them and not on how all this was affecting them. Um, and it remarkably improved my relationship with them. I made amends to my parents um, and I was willing to do that. I was kind of wondering how I was going to do that because they're both deceased, but I actually went to the cemetery and it was, you know, winter in Ohio and there was snow on the ground. And I, I read a letter to them just detailing all the ways I had harmed them, mostly by dishonesty. And a lot of it was dishonesty about food. And um, then I set the letter on fire, which was okay because there was a lot of snow on the ground. Um, it was very cathartic and healing. Had to make amends to my current husband because I lied to him. I had, it was really hard, but I was willing to do it because I did not want to lose my abstinence. Um, about, you know, overspending on food, I would, you know, come home and act like I hadn't eaten when I had eaten like two meals on the way home, like if I had a long drive or something. I made amends to myself. I wrote myself a letter, um, just specifically outlining all the ways um, that I've harmed myself by the way that I ate and by some of the, the crazy unhealthy things I did uh, to, to try to lose weight in the pursuit of weight loss. Um, and I see eating my three abstinent meals a day as part of my amends to my body. And some of the people on the list did not actually belong there. Um, I discussed them with my sponsor. Um, an example is like my daughter-in-law. I just had resentment at her because she and my son and my grandbaby moved from Ohio to Arizona. So you got my attention when you said there's a retreat in Arizona. So they live a thousand miles away from me. Um, and they did that to be closer to her parents and extended family. And I just felt very resentful at her for this. Interestingly enough, just resentful at her, not my son. Um, but he, he went willingly. Um, I didn't actively harm her, but I did have to forgive her and stop holding anger in my heart against her so I could stay recovered. And so I thanked God uh, every day you know, for just the way things are and prayed for her. Uh, thanked God for the way things are and not the way that I wanted them to be. And the anger is dissipated. Um, in my case with this step, um, I, I didn't have to pray for willingness. I was, I was pretty desperate. Um, I wanted to make amends. So, I mean, I can only share my experience. Um, I was already willing to do whatever I was told to do. Um, I pray that I do not lose that level of surrender. I firmly believe if I lose the willingness to follow the direction of my higher power and my sponsor, I will lose my abstinence. And, um, I have no guarantee that I could get it back if I lost it. Um, so that's step eight and nine. Um, I do have a daily uh, step 10 practice. I do a written daily inventory. I tried doing it in my head, but <laughs> that, that didn't work. It was just not as effective. Um, step 11, I now have a meditation practice, which was something that you know I wasn't raised with. Um, and that has really helped because I listen to God and I pray to God throughout the day. The most common prayer I pray is what I call my short version of step three prayer, which is, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in this situation? Not God, help me not to eat this or God, make this situation go the way I want it. What do you want me to do here in this situation? Um, step 12, I feel that every day that I'm abstinent, I'm carrying, carrying the message. Um, abstinence itself, I believe, is service. Coming to meetings is service. I started sponsoring um, people as soon as I had completed 
step 12. And I continue to sponsor people because the big book says that nothing will guarantee our immunity from alcohol so much as intensive work with other alcoholics. So I believe that's true for food as well. Um, I got really squirrely when I was coming up on my three years. Um, then the 27th will be three years and four months of abstinence. And um, someone told me that relapse was not a requirement and pointed out to me that the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is full of people who stopped drinking and never took a drink again. So um, I don't have to go back to my old way of life, you know, always thinking about food and diets and what I was going to do to fix this problem myself, because I sure couldn't fix it myself. That's 20. Okay, thank you. Uh, I'll just wrap by saying I spent more time thinking about foods and diets than I do working my program. And if God ever took me up on my uh, on my offer to, you know, hey, let me let me stay thin and let me be able to eat as much as I want, I I would turn it down because I don't want to go back to that way of life. I, I prefer this 12 step way of life. Thanks. Thank you so much, Bridget, for that beautiful share. And um, we will now open the meeting for questions or three minute shares. As this is a big book study, sharing and questions should relate specifically to the chapter and step being studied this week. We ask you to accept this guideline in order to keep the meeting on track. If you'd like to share or ask a question, please raise your virtual hand, which is under reactions or star nine if you're on the phone. I will call the raise hands in order and um, Yvonne will ask you to unmute when it's your turn. Would the timekeeper please set a timer for three minutes for each share and announce when time is up? If the speaker is asked a question, please allow three minutes for the answer. And um, first up we have Chanel. Thank you, Francesca. And thank you, Bridget. Thank you so much. Getting my timer going here. I, so I do have a question for you, but first I'm going to say, you know, I was unfaithful in a marriage too. And, and uh, there is only so much living amends that I can make to that person, but we are actually friends now. And that is a miracle. That's a miracle. Um, that is made possible by recovery for me. I like that you said that you don't know if you would get abstinent again and that it's worth doing whatever you have to do to stay abstinent and in recovery. I really appreciate that. And also, I wanted to ask you a question. So you came in fully willing. I will stand on my head, whatever you need me to do. What do you do when you have sponsees, a sponsee who says, yeah, I don't need to make an amends to that person. I just don't. They're like, they're fighting it. That's my question. Thank you. Bridget, compulsive overeater. Um, I can't make my sponsees do anything. I can only make suggestions. I, I can share with them, you know, what the big book says about what we're supposed to do if we need willingness. Um, but if someone refuses, I mean, refuses to, to make an amends, I, I can only, you know, give gentle suggestions. Um, I, the, the thing I've had the most resistance from with sponsees is they don't want to do step four. They're afraid of step four. And I just try to encourage them like, you know, my experience was I did it and I felt so much better. And I had a lot more, you know, I really, you know, started to have really, really from the food obsession. Um, the other thing I share with sponsees um, who are struggling with steps eight and nine is, is boy, you really want to, I really started to have the food neutrality after I made these amends and got you, you feel so much better when you're on the other side of it. 
you know, we just read through the big book. And But at the end of the day, I, I can't make anybody abstinent, can't even make myself abstinent. So thanks. Thank you so much, Chanel, and thank you, Bridget. And next we have Catherine. Hi, Catherine A, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Bridget, thank you so much for uh, for your share. It's uh, just awesome to hear your your whole journey and especially the the focus on on steps eight and nine. And um, I wanted to specifically call out how much I appreciated your your focus on like step eight specifically being becoming willing to make these amends. And I know that one of the things that you that you said was like you were you were ready. You didn't have to do a lot of prayer to to become willing. But I think one of the things that, um, that I heard in some of your stories was that you, even if you weren't going to actually make the amend or it wasn't going to be possible to make a direct amend for something, you did go through the thought process of becoming willing to make that amend or to set that right. And that's something that definitely, as you, as you pointed out, that's something that's said in the book, but I think in in my practical experience so far working with sponsees, I, I find it's, um, it's tempting to say, well, I know that amend is going to cause harm, so I'm not going to make that amend. And so I don't even need to talk about it. I don't even need to, to look to become willing to make the amend because I'm not, I'm never going to have to. Uh, whereas what I heard you say was that for each of these amends, even if there was a harm that could be done by making a direct amend. You put, you became willing to set it right if you could, and then you looked for other ways to to address those those harms uh, through through living amends or other other means. And so I I appreciated your your emphasis on that. So thank you so much again for your share. Thank you, Catherine. And next we have Anne. Thank you, Francesca. Um, and I want to thank the angel who um, who sent me a text about this meeting tonight. Really, is a god god wink. Oh, Bridget, that's my mother's name. Oh boy, you are so honest, so heartfelt. You know, you share and um, and really heart wrenching. Um, you know, it intrigued me, though. I also, by the grace of God, I was struck abstinent, too, um, right here in this room. Because um, I was so hopeless at 65. Um, Bridget, I'm really curious about when you were sharing uh, about the amends, the letter to your mom and dad, especially your mother. Could you share a little bit more about how you were dishonest and please if you can't don't it's fine i'll call you <laughs> sure i'll share about that um my mom and i were so close i, I really idolized her she died of cancer and uh on valentine's day 2016 so kind of anniversary coming up um see these pictures up there those are those are from her funeral those are all pictures of my mom so so close um i I never told her who I cheated on my second husband with. And she was so disappointed and hurt because she adored him. And he had, he had um, uh, kids 
I'm gonna get choked up here, um, that were, you know, that she considered like her grandkids. So, I mean, I, I, I hurt a lot of people. I hurt those stepkids that I had helped raise. I hurt my mom. Um, and I never came clean with her about the circumstances of the infidelity. And I felt like I needed to do that. Um, I did not tell her when I had bariatric surgery, I went to a hospital in Michigan and I was inpatient for three days and didn't tell her. I didn't tell her till years later that I had had bariatric surgery, just a lot of things that like, like we were close. I should have told her, but you know, I was just, I was just ashamed. Um, I think I did tell her about the lap band, um, but just, and a lot of, a lot of sneaking, sneaking food, stealing food, come over to their house and, you know, like they wouldn't be home. I had a key to their house. I'd come in and, and eat their food. And she'd be like, who ate all these, you know, whatever, whatever, you know, these baked goods. And I'd be like, Oh no, you know, and it was me. Um, so, so I lied to her about food. Yeah. That was the main, main thing. And I just read the letter and just cried. I didn't do that much with my dad. You know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't lie to him as much, but we weren't as close. So, thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much, Anne, and thank you so much, Bridget. And um, would anyone else like to share? Rachel, thank you, Rachel. Hey, family, it's Rachel, compulsive overeater, restrictor. Um, I just wanna say, I came in late, I'm so sorry because I have a trauma group um, right before this. And I was like going to leave early, but it was really, there were new people and they really needed us um, people that had been there a long time. But Bridget, I love your name. Number one, she's my, um, she's my, my chosen saint or um, goddess, Bridget. So um, I love your name so much. I can't wait to listen. I just wanted to jump in on what other people are saying. Um, that must've been in your share. Um, I've had infidelity in my marriage as well. Um serious like self-loathing and um self-sabotage for me so I'm excited to listen to your share um just based on the reactions I just wanted to say I'm on day 20 of abstinence and 60 days in the rooms and I'm freaking out <laughs> at that point where like my skin's crawling um my husband made hot chocolate yesterday and I like literally was gonna smash his face in I was like I don't even like hot chocolate but it smells sweet so I'm like in the super tough time that my sponsor says is normal so that makes me like feel good but he told me and he's I don't think he's here tonight but he did say pray your ass off and I'm taking that to heart um I've been trying to do it still all on my own so um, <clears throat> I love him so much. And I just wanted to give a shout out to sponsors because it's been, I was so scared to have a sponsor and like give up control and like, I can do this myself. And it's been such a miracle. So I just want to shout out to everybody um, that sponsors and I can't wait to get there and help other people. Um, my birthday is tomorrow and I'm freaking out because um, the holidays were really hard. And um people are being supportive in my life, but my kids have certain expectations because I model that we celebrate with food. Uh, so I'm really nervous. Um, but I keep thinking about other fellows in this group, which I love that shared, um, I forget what it was, not my rocking horse. I know it wasn't a horse. And then another fellow that said that they 
kept the separate shelf for their food and and kids food and to make it still because I feel like I can't be near it right now which I think is fair um but um I'm trying to cook things that are like healthier but that I don't necessarily like love so I'm trying really hard and I just appreciate the fellowship here this is my favorite meeting and um I've gotten so much from all of you and I just sending so much love and for anybody that's new I'm super new too but I've been here long enough to know that it's like changing my life so keep coming back for sure and if you mess up like we're here just keep coming back like don't beat yourself up Bridget I can't wait to listen back so thank you for being here and for your service I pass thank you so much Rachel and um Leslie Hi, my name is Leslie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And uh, Bridget, thank you so much for your share. Um, it was one of the first times in <clears throat> this new abstinence, and maybe I just haven't been listening closely enough, but um, to hear someone so clearly speak to making um, amends to myself for the harm that I've done myself. And um, when I really early on, when I was in program, um, they used to say, when you get to the eighth step, you put your, um, put your name first on the list of amends. And then I haven't heard that so much lately. And I don't, I don't know why I haven't been hearing it. Maybe it's just me, but um, when you said it, it made me think, you know, I haven't done that in years, made, made uh, a direct amends to myself. And I really want to thank you for that because I'm, I, I'm ready to do that. I have clarity finally around my part in all of it, including what I did to myself. Um, and all, what I've done to others is, is clear because I'm not in the food. But what I've done myself, I'm really excited about doing uh, that kind of a, a an inventory. So I really appreciated you and your share and the calmness that you brought to the meeting tonight. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Leslie. And we will now stop the recording for unrecorded shares. <laughs>